It's the Larry Kudlow Show. Free market prosperity starts here. Now, here's Larry Kudlow. Welcome back, folks. I'm Larry Kudlow. Great pleasure to be with you. We're going to do some stock market work. Two aces today, Jack Berusian, chairman of the Global Smart Commodity Group, and Mike Ozanian, assistant managing editor of Forbes Media and a co-host of Forbes Sports Money on Yes Network. It's a very good show. So, gentlemen, I don't know, what do we got here? We got the Armenian Super Bowl. I think that's what we there got. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> but we also got some issues, and I'll start with the Federal Reserve because – Let's see. The mid uh, Humphrey Hawkins report is out. Um, Jay Powell is going to be uh, testifying for Congress this week. More rate hikes needed. The inflation numbers are coming in higher than people thought. Uh, you got a lot of stores warning. I, I just made a note because I was skimming around some of the websites. Lowe's, Best Buy, Target. Macy's, Home Depot, all kind of warming, warning slower consumer spending, even though the job numbers look pretty good. The reality is jobs, you know, jobs look good, but after inflation, wages are not looking good. They're still on the decline. But I think the interest rate issue is going to be very difficult because I think Wall Street fellas talked itself into disinflation and, you know, Rates were going to peak and then come down, and the reality is they're going to go up. They're going to go up more than people think, all right? I'll toss that out to both of you, but I think the Fed funds rate target is headed for 6%. It's now 4.5 to 3 quarters. It might even go have to go above 6%, and uh, this is going to be more difficult than people thought, all right? Stocks did well this past week, but blah, 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 blah. They're still ahead slightly year-to-date. But, um, Mike Ozanian, why don't you kick it off for us? I, I think you're being actually uh, a little modest on the interest rate hmm. that are the Fed funds rate. I, I don't know. Looking at the Taylor rule, I think I'm seeing something close to an 8% Fed funds rate. Hmm. Uh, that's had very good predictive rate. I think I'm going to start with this. I, I think we had a bear market that started to kick in about a month ago. The S&P's down for a month. And I think what's happened is all the quantitative tightening, it, it's starting to add up right now. And, and last month, year over year, M2 fell pretty severely. Uh, the Fed's balance sheet is down about $626 billion from its peak in April 2022. Uh, at the same time, the market's down the past month. The dollar's up. I like the dollar. Mm. So I think... These monetary tightening, interest rate headwinds from inflation, and I think you make a great point. I think these upticks we've seen at times from the market on sometimes positive economic news, and but largely to what you said, Larry, I don't think a lot of people who are invested believe that the Fed is going to stick to fighting inflation, but I happen to think that it is. Well, I'll tell you what. <clears throat> For what it's worth, that this uh, Humphrey Hawkins uh, release, the written stuff that I think it was released last night, uh, they're basically saying they're going to stick with the 2% target. So you're running an inflation rate now that is uh, roughly 6%. Uh, 
looking at it could be a little higher, could be a little lower, but it's three times the target rate. And Jack Bruce in the other part, you know, I believe profits are the mother's milk of stocks. I had Jason Trennard on the TV show last night, and I didn't know this, but S&P 500 earnings in the fourth quarter fell year on year. The level fell. Now, that's, you know, that's not good. Uh, you got rate hikes and you got lower profits. That can't be a good combination. No, it's exactly what we were talking about over the course of the last few months. We're seeing a contraction not only in earnings, but also in the multiple of the market because of what's happening with the Fed. But but you're spot on. Uh, you know, w- this is something, a, a very disturbing trend that we're seeing. In fact, I would say it, what we have to do is pay very close attention to the PPI and CPI in tandem mm. because we're looking at operating margins that are shrinking. And if that's the case, then you're looking at a number probably under $200 for the S&P 500. And if that's the case, then we are way too rich. Mm. You know, the problem that I have right now is the fact that you have got interest rates that are now becoming competition for capital. You know, when we're talking about a six-month T-bill rate that is yielding basically the same as the S&P 500 earnings yield, you know, that in and of itself tells you something. It tells you that capital has another alternative for a change. And, and you know, there, there are a lot of headwinds out there, not only the Fed. You know, you, you, we were talking about the fact that interest rates are going high. Well, there are some ancillary effects to that. Think of real estate. Think of, think of what's happening to these REITs, especially with commercial real estate or downtown office space. They are are getting destroyed and there is no end in sight especially for people here in chicago or new york it's just it those are the the troubling red flags the signals that are always out there that present themselves right before you end up seeing the market end up in trouble so um what about bonds 10-year bonds let's just have a look at this they finished just short of four percent but they've come up quite a bit. I think they got to, I don't know, three and a quarter or 335 at one point uh, a month or so back, 395. Um, Mike Ozanian, what, what are you thinking about bonds? Don't bond rates have to go up? Yeah, I don't like bonds simply because bond rates, I think, are, uh, interest rates are going are gonna to go up uh, considerably. So I, I would stay away from bonds. Um, like I said at the touch at the beginning, I I'd much I think the dollar is going to get a lot stronger as interest rates get much higher. Mm. I, I also feel vis-a-vis the rest of the world, Larry, I I think that the Fed in the is here is going to be much more adherent to tightening and battling inflation than shall we say the more uh, socialist-leaning countries across the pond. Now, they have I think bigger issues with that, whether it be you know, unions and, and all pensions, all sorts of things. So I think not only because of higher interest rates here, but also relative rates around the world, I, I think that the dollar is, is going to continue what it's done over the past month, which is go up, get stronger. So that hurts profits. Yeah. It, it in hurts the short profits, run, anyway. In the short run, but, but the bigger, if you look at what's happening, you know, earnings revisions are very interesting because uh, to just sort of summarize what's been happening, I took a deep dive into that, into looking at FactSet uh, the past couple of days. Mm. And the downward revisions, uh, not just uh, what have happened in the last quarter, but looking ahead through 2023, have been pretty severe. It's about 5.5% mm. uh, just over the last couple of weeks. So, you know, 
I, when you see that spread, you know, an upward blip in the market, yet the trend is for earnings to be cut, being reduced. To me, that's also a negative sign. And, and it's probably going to be a bigger reduction in earnings for this year than we've seen in the revisions because, as we all know, analysts sometimes often tend to lag what's happening in the real economy. They, they tend to look at things overall with sort of rose-colored glasses, if you will. So I expect bigger negative revisions for 2023 earnings in the weeks ahead. Jack Bruggen, what about commodities in this environment? The, the commodity markets are a little mixed. You know, if you look at certain commodities that were, that were in play last year, lumber, for example, has, has crashed. Um, when you look at uh, uh, nat gas, for example, remember we're, we were worried nat gas was going to be spiking up around nine to ten dollars uh, because of uh, what was going on with Russia and the fact that they were cutting off the pipelines to to Europe, and, and of course nothing happened there. So you know it, there's a it's a bifurcated situation. Um, what I would say is that the, the, and, I, and I just want to go back to the earlier comments that, that Mike was making. You know the the market is telling us something, especially this this severely inverted yield curve. Mm-hmm. It's Sending us a signal. In fact, I got into this discussion the other day with a, with a big money manager who turned to me and he said, you know, the stock market is sending one signal. The bond market is sending a completely different signal. And that's the problem that we're having. It's a question of which one is right. And when we're seeing this inverted yield curve stay inverted for as long as it is, it is absolutely one of those huge red flags and one of those things that keeps me in cash, to be honest. Uh, I worry that there there is no place to really go. I do like the fact that you can get four or five, six percent on some of these interest rates risk free. That that to me is 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 something that people should be looking at within their portfolio, especially as you get a little older. But but the reality is with the Fed as anxious as they are to get the inflation rate down to two percent, we have to be very, very careful because the appetite for risk is disappearing and can disappear very quickly. In fact, yesterday's rally is is what we in, on the back in the old days on the Chicago floor we would call a sucker's rally. Mm. Right? It came on the mm. third day of the month mm. uh, when we know 457 money comes in, and these algorithms are smart. They just stand aside and let the market go up. But these are the rallies that if you're going to raise cash in, uh, this is what you want. This is exactly what you're looking for. I thought the rally yesterday yeah. and the day before was because President Biden is going to veto the ESG bill. So now, so we won't, we won't, we no longer look at rate of return for retirement investment funds. We will look at uh, environmental considerations, the Green New Deal, climate change, equity, diversity, inclusiveness. I thought people were really cheering at that. We're, th- we're throwing out the purpose here. Milton Friedman is turning over in his grave. Huh? Can you imagine this? 150 million people are in the market one way or another, right? A lot of these people are retirement people, but um, Biden, you know, the House Republicans, with a lot of Democratic support, they had like 55 Democrats helped us, and Biden's going to veto it. He's going to veto it. He said so. It's just some crazy Trump thing. That's what it is, right? I mean, come on. You mentioned Trump. All of of these policies that are coming out of the Biden administration are, are they're, they're prosperity killers. I, you can see yes. it, whether it be something from the EPA, whether it be something, you know, from, from any segment. And, and it seems as if 
people that are talking, I think it was, it was Warren Buffett who said it great. He said, you know, whoever's talking about like a, a wealth tax on, on unrealized gains either is a complete imbecile, all right, or, or, you know, is just pandering to his constituency. I'm, I'm paraphrasing, of course, but I think that's really, you know, what he was getting at because that, that's, that's essentially what's happening. You've got people that are making decisions that don't understand the way the economy works, and that is a very scary proposition. I love that Buffett story because um... – you know, he doesn't hardly take a salary. All his money is in capital gains, in trust. So now, <laughs> so, and of course, he wants to raise tax rates on people that earn income, but now they're going to tax his unrealized capital gains, and he's completely screwed. So he's finally yelling about this. So I'm kind of enjoying that as well. ESG, unrealized capital gains. What a, what a great country this is. Fellas, let me take a break. I'm getting too carried away. Jack Perusian, chairman of the Global Smart Commodity Group, and Mike Ozanian of Forbes Media and uh, Forbes' Sports Money on the Yes Network. I'm Kudlow. We'll be right back. This is the Larry Kudlow Show. On 77 WABC. Now back to the Larry Kudlow Show. Welcome back, folks. I'm Larry Kudlow. We're talking stocks with Jack Perusian. Chairman of the Global Smart Commodity Group and Michael Zanian, Assisting Managing Editor of Forbes Media and co-host of Forbes' Sports Money, playing on the Yes Network. You know, we were talking about uh, somewhat cynically about uh, the stupid ESG and taxing unrealized capital gains. There's a piece out by Dan Clifton of Strategus, the Washington watcher. The S&P 500 effective tax rate could be 300 basis points higher this year. And he lists the taxes. Uh, The R&D tax credit amortization is gone. That was expensed immediately. That's gone. There's a 15% minimum tax on corporations. That's a book value tax, by the way, not an IRS tax. Uh, 80% accelerated depreciation, not 100%. Expensing, but now it's down to 80. It goes down 20% every year. A limit on corporate interest deductibility and the 1% buyback tax. And he says, this is important for investors because companies spent this earnings season surprising shareholders with a higher tax bill and noting they could see fewer sales if their customers have less cash to, uh, to purchase their products. I mean, taxes matter. In a lot of ways, taxes at the margin, of course, uh, are incentive uh, to work and invest or not. Uh, but also, taxes affect profits. And this is simple calculation. I mean, the Democrats love employment. They just hate the employers. And uh, they don't like businesses. And by the way, the regulatory burden, fellas, 517 regulatory actions in Biden's first two years, 517, with roughly $318 billion in total economic costs. And um, the American Action Forum, Doug Holtz-Eakin, says there's another 311 regulations in the pipeline that could cost another $200 billion. Those are all aimed at energy and business. That's where they are. That's energy and business. So we got higher taxes and higher regulations. That can't be good. It, it can't be good. Uh, Michael Zanian, I'll start with you on that. 
Two quick things, Larry. The insanity of this is people too often talk about corporations as though there are buildings, living, breathing, monolithic buildings. Mm. Corporations are just people. Right. So these taxes on corporations, really, what you're, it's a flow-through tax. You're either taxing investment, dividends, mm. wages. That's really what these taxes represent. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing is, as it relates to you talking about the elimination of the depreciation thing that Trump had put in, I think people underestimate how the carry flow through from Trump. The, before the pandemic, the, the economy was incredibly strong. Mm. And last year, for example, in 2022, corporations, because their balance sheets were so strong, they paid record dividends, mm. highest in history. Now, with these things that you're mentioning, all of that dividends plus invest, it's all going to be impacted. And that all flows through to wages, goods produced and so forth. So this is, to me, a further drag on the economy, a further drag on wages and a a further drag on the stock market. So when you combine that with what I think the Fed's going to have to do and has really been doing with the money supply, terms of fighting inflation it's pretty bearish you know jack uh, we did a lot of work on this in the in the trump administration because to mike's point it's people that pay these taxes not corporations it's all passed through 50 to 70 percent of a tax hike or a tax cut 50 to 70 percent goes to the wage earner or t- is taken away and then the rest of it uh 30 to 50% paid by investors, shareholders, and then they also paid uh, in the form of consumer prices. But the point is, one way or another, people pay these taxes, and the companies themselves will have to declare, you know, their after-tax income is going to come down. So this stuff, Wall Street doesn't talk about this because Wall Street is full of demand-side Keynesians, and they're all obsessed with the Fed. But these are very important factors. These are supply-side factors that may play yeah, a negative it's, it's role. So funny. It's funny you said supply-side because as you were talking and as you were, you, were, you were describing everything, all I could think of was Art Laffer. Yes, Because that's Art right. Laffer taught us that, mm-hmm. that these, everything that you described mm-hmm. was a prosperity killer. Yep. Over-regulation, over-taxation, you know, the, all the ambiguity that's coming out of D.C. is just – and the anti-business sentiment – is making it very, very difficult. And, and so, so for me, everything that I'm seeing tells me that that in itself is a headwind too. But I will say this, you know, the, the pendulum swings, all right? And I think people are starting to, to get a feel for the Elizabeth Warrens of the world. I, look, we, we had an earthquake here in Chicago. Right? We, we brought in a mayor, uh, what, four years ago, and, and swept her in overwhelmingly. And she was black, she was gay, she was a woman, and she just got clobbered. In this last election. Why? Because her policies were destructive, plain and simple. And I think people came to that realization, no matter how liberal and progressive they might think they are. Right? The bottom line is when it starts hitting their wallet, when people quit going downtown, which is what's happened here in Chicago, right, it starts to affect their tax base. Now we're starting to see people that are, you know, elderly Latinos that are living in Humboldt Park whose, tax ba- whose, whose property taxes are tripling. 
They cannot afford to live there anymore. And the only reason is because we've got an entitlement and this established, you know, progressive uh, in Democratic run city, which which is absolutely ridiculous when you start to break it down. I but was I was I'm, very... I'm, 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 yeah, I'm digressing. I'm sorry. No, it's uh, I was very impressed with her showing incumbent mayor and she got 17, 17 percent. I mean, I was talking earlier in the show. I should have thrown my hat in the ring. I could have had nineteen percent. I'd give you twenty, Larry. How and, about that? And yeah, I, would, I think you're right. You know, because there are, there are probably that many logical people in Chicago that I would vote. All right, I would have run as a supply sire. But the best part of it, she says, uh, Mike. Uh, she says she's a victim. Had nothing to do with crime or taxes or whatever. She's a victim. It was bias against her color uh, and her gender and her sexual preferences. That was it. A victim. She was, I mean, really? You're a victim with 17% of the vote? Do you you know that here in Chicago, we've got got Preckwinkle, who's a woman who runs the county. We've got got the state's attorney, (laughs) which is a woman, a black woman. These are all black, African-American women. All right? We have got, I mean, it's... Absolutely the most ridiculous comment. She's not a victim. She's an asterisk. (laughs) Thank you. Mike Ozanian and Jack Berugian, the Armenian Super Bowl. Nobody does it better. I'm Kudlow. Money and Politics up next. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.